Welcome to the Fromer Travel Show. I'm Pauline Fromer, your host. So glad to have you along for the ride today. And I'm using along from the ride quite deliberately because we're going to be discussing different modes of transportation. We're going to start with Amtrak and then go to cruising. To help me discuss Amtrak travel and overnight Amtrak travel, which is a type that a lot of us have never done. We have Erica Mailman. She wrote on this topic for both Condé Nast Traveler and the Washington Post. Hey, Erica, welcome to the Farmer Travel Show. Holly, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you about the, the train travel. Well, I was kind of stunned in reading your article in the Washington Post, which is called 10 Things You Need to Know About Riding Amtrak Overnight. I had no idea that there really was this much complexity involved. There are different types of sleeper cars. Uh, You could maybe just recline your seat. Um, Talk a little bit first about the different options travelers have if they're going to go overnight on Amtrak. Absolutely. And before I rode, I was trying to do as much research as I could. And Amtrak has a pretty good website, but I felt like afterwards, like I can share what I've learned because a lot of things you don't know until you're actually on the train. And so you have a couple of overnight options. There's a roomette, which is a very tiny Two seats that face each other right up against a big glass window, which is nice. You have an incredible view as you travel. And then to your left is just a sliding glass door that leads onto a a narrow hallway. So it really is just kind of like a little pod. And I should mention that I rode the California Zephyr train from Sacramento to Denver and back with my 12-year-old. And the roomettes uh, vary on different liners. So that was the roomette on the West Coast. But on the East Coast, they have different trains. They have uh, superliners and view liners. And the roomettes can actually have bathrooms in them on the East Coast. So you really have to dig a little bit to figure out what your situation right. is going to be. What you're getting. Right. And it will also be different if you get a cabin that is meant for somebody with, di- with a disability, right? I mean, right. those also vary. Yes. there's So there's the roomettes, and then there's the bedrooms, and then there's the family suites. Those are the three levels. And um, on our return trip, we were in H bedroom, which is a disabled bedroom. H is for handicapped. And I think they probably need to change that. Hmm, That was a room that spanned from side to side. So that was great because you had your big view windows on, on either end. So when the conductor says, well, look out your window to the right, there's a moose. Uh, You have a better chance of seeing that moose. Um, and so that's a pretty spacious room with room for a wheelchair or other mobility device. And there is a bathroom, um, a toilet, I should say, in that room, but not a shower. And not every, so you said the original roommate you were in did not have a private bathroom or did it? No, it, it was just the two seats. And then you, um, you climb to an upper bunk that folds out of the wall at nighttime. Wow. So you go out in that hallway for the for the bedroom or sorry <laughs> for the bathroom and um for the shower room. Interesting. Okay. And you said there's a big glass door. That doesn't seem to offer much privacy. Is there a curtain you can draw? Absolutely. Yes. It's a, a big, nice thick light blocking curtain and it velcros to the other side, which is really key because the motion of the train 
unless if you lock that door from the inside, it frequently will just roll open because the train is moving mm -hmm. around. Uh, so that 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 curtain that you Velcro provides privacy as well as you know blocking light at nighttime. Right, and I thought it was interesting. You made the point that you can lock the door, but only when you're in the room. So uh, are people nervous? I remember taking sleeping cars in Europe when I was a backpacker many years ago and sleeping with my money belt around my, my waist, you know, because it was well known back then that people would come in and steal. Uh, yes. What do people do if they're traveling with valuables? Or maybe yeah. you shouldn't. I don't know. What's the advice? Well, you know, right outside your um, room is luggage racks. So, you know, if you have walking luggage, you can store valuables in there if you felt comfortable with that. I had my, my laptop with me, and so I carried it under my arm like a little clutch purse <laughs> everywhere I went <laughs> because I didn't want to lose track of that. And, and sure. it's slender and slim, so it was okay to bring with. But yeah, I, I also remember the, the sleeper trains in Europe and being woken up in the middle of the night and yeah. uh, surrendering your passport. And, you know, you're half asleep and you're like, what? We're, we're not supposed to give away our passport. <laughs> right. So yeah, there's a certain amount of um, trust. And I really felt safe on the train multiple times when I've traveled on Amtrak. I know that's not the case for everybody. But yeah, I didn't have any problem leaving certain sure. things in my room unlocked as we went to dine in the dining car or went to look at the beautiful views in the observation car. Right. Well, well, speaking about your laptop, you blew my mind with this information because you actually explained why sometimes you have service on Amtrak and sometimes you don't. And this, <laughs> this has to do with any Amtrak rides, not just overnight ones. Can, can you explain that to our listeners? Right. I spoke with Mark Maglieri, uh, the Amtrak spokesman, who explained to me that that the, the Wi-Fi kind of follows the, the freeways, right? So as long as you're on kind of a commuter train that's staying close to, to city infrastructure, you're fine. But we were going through the Rocky Mountains. We were going through these stretches of Utah desert. And so certainly the connectivity was not happening for a lot of the ride. But you can, of right. course, you know, if you want to watch movies, download those in advance and you can still watch them. Uh, but if you're trying right. to work and have a good Wi-Fi connection, you've got to stick to trains that aren't traveling through tunnels or very uh, remote locations. Right. Yeah, no, that was absolutely fascinating. Also interesting was that the dining car is on these trains with overnight service is reserved just for the people who have bedrooms. Why is that? And, and what's the dining like now, nowadays? I know that the new infrastructure bill by Biden uh, should make it even better. And a lot, a lot on Amtrak is going to improve further. But, but what's it like today? That is an excellent question. And before the pandemic, anybody could use the dining car. And it was nice, you know, to just go sit down, meet fellow travelers, have a, have a meal, but because of spacing, you know, the six foot distancing in the, in the beginning of the pandemic, the decision was made then to limit dining only to overnight passengers. And also in some cars uh, on the East Coast to business class passengers. So that is a bummer, an understandable measure that they had to take to keep people sure. safe. 
Um, so for people who aren't overnight passengers, there's still the snack bar and they've tried to expand offerings there in the snack bar, knowing that some people do ride coach overnight. It's possible. Sure. And probably pretty smart. And you can, and <laughs> you said on some of these trains, you can actually recline your seats. You can't go lie flat, but you can, it, it can get a little more comfortable. Yeah. It's much like an airplane, you know, it, re- it reclines mm-hmm. a certain degree. So it's pretty comfortable. And if you're somebody who um, is flexible and can, you know, roll with the punches, it's absolutely a great idea because it's so much more uh, cost effective to ride coach. If, if it's just one night, I think sure. for sure, if it's more than one night, you're going to want to invest in a roomette or a bedroom. And the dining for the overnight passengers has been upgraded, upscaled. They've really worked hard to make it um, better than the old snack bar offerings. So for instance, the dinners now are three course meals that include an appetizer, an entree, and a dessert, and um, the glass of wine or beer or a cocktail of your choice. Uh, And that's that's all. So a glass. Can you get a bottle or is that? (laughs) Yes, you can. (laughs) (laughs) You can. Oh, okay. All right. You can buy a full bottle of wine or a bottle of beer and, um, but you get one glass complimentary with the, with the accommodation. Oh, that's very nice. So what, give us some examples. What did the food consist of? Okay. That's a great uh, question. So I think our favorite dinner, uh, as I said, I rode with my 12 year old, there is a, um, a lobster crab cake Wow! for the appetizer with a sriracha cream sauce on top. And, and I love that. I thought that was really delicious. And then um, there's a steak with, um, I don't have the menu in front of me, and this was in April sure. that we traveled, uh, some kind of a, um, a dark wine-based sauce. sauce. Oh, I think it was a Cabernet sauce. Mm. Uh, and there was salmon with a cream sauce. The desserts were wonderful. They were like a flourless chocolate tort. Uh, there was a che- a Philadelphia cheesecake. So there were there were wow. about um, three or four things to choose from in each category for appetizer, entree, and dessert. How terrific! That that's surprising that that it's so upscale now. And I guess the the basic question is about this type of travel. Can you sleep? Is it too loud? Is it too bumpy? I mean, how 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 are the mattresses? How do you sleep on these trains? I love train travel. I just love everything about it. Um, and for me, the the kind of gentle rocking motion. I mean, it, it is kind of like you're back in the cradle and you're a baby again. Mm. And, and I took several naps. Like it's just very lulling. Uh, and enjoyable. And I find that the engine noise and the clickety clack is kind of like white noise. So for me, Hmm. it's it's all good sleeping. I will say the mattresses are are, um, quite thin. And I think some people don't enjoy them. I had no problem Hmm. with them. Um, And then some people may find like noise from other passengers an issue. And that would be another reason to book a roomette or a bedroom to get that privacy and that quiet. And you say at one point that how far you are from the tracks can also uh, affect how much noise you you have to uh, have. How can you be farther or closer to the tracks? (laughs) By going upstairs. If you have a a double level level liner, 
you can get a bedroom upstairs and then you're a little further away from the tracks. I, I really would think that that was negligible. I saw that mentioned on the Amtrak website that it was quieter upstairs. So I believe it. They know what they're talking right. about. Um, yeah. That's one way. <laughs> well, you start out with the, with the reason you should do this type of travel. And, and I'd like to end with it. Why was this such a lovely trip for you? It's just extraordinary, the landscape you can see. Granted, I was on the California Zephyr, which Daryl Bennett, one of the Amtrak employees, told me is the most beautiful uh, mm. train of the Amtrak system, the California Zephyr. Uh, but I, I know there are spectacular other uh, rails that you can ride. And I mean, I just saw just incredible, untouched landscape, herds of elk by the wow. edge of the Colorado River, which just goes for miles and miles. For hours, you're watching this river, and it's just gorgeous. And then we passed through the Rockies, and on the way out, there was no snow. And on the way back, there was snow. And it just made me feel closer to nature and to the spectacular landscape that we're so fortunate to have here. And it's yeah. just fortifying, soul-heartening, and... I feel so fortunate to have traveled that way. Yeah, and how great you got to do it with your child. What what a what a blessing. Well, it's Absolutely. been delightful speaking with you, Erica. Thanks so much for appearing on the Firmer Travel Show. Thank you so much. It was a delight to talk with you and I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Our next guest is Chris Gray Faust. She is the managing editor for Cruise Critic. Welcome back to the Fromer Travel Show, Chris. It's always good to be here, Pauline. Thanks for having me. Well, I wanted to have you on because I've been getting the most jaw-dropping emails from pretty much any company that sells cruises uh, saying that right now you can get a cruise for as little as $25 per person per day, which, you know, yeah, with inflation hitting so much, is that common? You know, it's interesting. Um, we have a deals tracker on our site at Cruise Critic, and we're also seeing prices lower than they've been before. Um, huh. The reason is that most of the major cruise lines right now have their full fleets back in service uh, with no capacity restrictions. So that naturally huh. leads to more cabins available um, than there were last year, for example. Uh, so the, kind of the cruise lines are back in service. They're full. Another thing is that the new sh new ships kept coming out in 2021 and even this year. And these are bigger ships with even more berths and cabins than before. So there's more beds available on cruise ships in 2022 than there even was in 2019. So we are definitely seeing these deals, you know, all through the summer, particularly in the Caribbean and Alaska. But what's interesting is we're starting to see great deals in September for Canada and New England cruises, which usually that's, you know, high time to go to that region. So if you sure. want to, you know, if you want to see the leaves, now is a good time to book ahead. Well, you know, a lot of the travel industry came back fully this year, but in other parts of the 
the travel industry, they're not having to discount uh, to fill the beds or to fill the, the seats on airplanes. Does this mean that there's still a lingering worry among the general public uh, about cruising? I, I understand there are more beds than there used to be uh, because these new ships have come online, but is that also a factor? I think it's more that, you know, people haven't always seen cruising as the best deal out there. And you're right, you know, fa- you know, expenses in other parts of travel are higher than before. You know, flights sure. are fr- flights are expensive, hotels are expensive and gas. And so now what we're seeing is that cruising really is, particularly this summer, one of the best values that you can have out there. And I'm not sure that people know about that. Um, you know, we're doing our best to let people know. The cruise lines are letting yeah. the best to, their best to get people to know that. But it really is a good value and one of the best values, particularly this summer and going into fall, when everything else in travel is so expensive. Well, what about winter? What about spring? Do you think that deals of this depth are going to last? I think, you know, you're looking at a different time during the winter. I mean, once it gets cold and once we get into the holidays, that is when people traditionally look at cruises as a good opportunity for families to get together or a good like winter getaway when you're so cold. So I think the you know, I think we're waiting to see right now the deals we're seeing are a little bit shorter in. It is kind of limited to this summer and to, um, you know, September, the fall. Um, That being said, like for some things, like it's a good time to be a solo traveler and cruising because we're seeing a lot of lines get rid of single supplements even into the winter and next spring. So if you're somebody who was always like wanting to try a cruise on your own, but that single supplement, you know, the dreaded single supplement was sort of keeping you from making that jump. A lot of the lines are, are getting rid of that for right now. So that is something that we're seeing into next year. And another thing they're doing for singles, a lot of uh, cruise ships have created special areas where they have a specific single-only cabins. They often will share like a lounge together so singles uh, can meet one another in the lounge. I, I think it might be the golden era uh, for solo cruising. I'm really glad that people are getting more choices, you know, because not everybody you can wait for somebody to go with them. And I think the pandemic sure. taught people that, that they don't want to wait to get out there and explore the world because um, they were shut in for so long. So I do think it's great for the single traveler. I, cruise lines are definitely noticing that that's what consumers want and they are building cabins accordingly. Now, on the dark side, cruising, like all of the travel industry, is subject to labor shortages. It's having supply chain issues. How are those factors influencing the cruise experience right now? Well, you're right in that, you know, this is a global problem and that, you know, cruises tend to follow the rest of the travel industry. The issues that you see in cruising are replicated, you know, elsewhere on land. Um, One place that has seen particular issues is Alaska. And I was able to sort of see this firsthand when I was there uh, last month. Um, then that's because a lot of the excursions and a lot of the things that make a cruise to Alaska very attractive to people, you know, Alaska just doesn't have the workforce that it did before. Uh, and those excursions also need people with very technical licenses. You know, they need people that can fly planes and can run little you know, boat excursions and can even drive, right. you know, you need a commercial license to drive a tour bus. 
And, you know, Alaska only had half of a cruising season last year because restrictions on cruising from Canada. And so the workforce kind of moved on, you know, the seasonal workforce that would normally go up to Alaska every year that came up every year for decades, they found other things to do. And so the workforce isn't back there in Alaska. And that that did impact the experience when I was in Alaska. I definitely noticed that um, people were getting some excursions canceled. There weren't um, enough uh, experienced people to really lead those excursions. So, you know, you are, that, that's kind of one real life example where we're seeing that. Um, Cruise Critic is somebody in Alaska right now, and he's going to be kind of giving an on the, on the ground report about what it's like mid season, but definitely sort of that beginning of the season, we were seeing that some of the lodges, the cruise lines were closing some of their lodges that, and when I was on the ship, I noticed that, you know, some people just weren't able to get those excursions that they wanted. Huh. I've also heard that certain ships, because they have fewer staff on board the ships, uh, not all the specialty restaurants will be open on every cruise or not all the shops will be open. That There's also differences in the shipboard experience. Has that been your experience? Um, I've no- We've noticed it at Cruise Critic on certain routes in certain places. And a lot of times that dictates what the lo- what the workforce is. For example, one ship that had some issues with this was Pride of America, which um, sails only in Hawaii and has American workers. Um, it was, it, you know, they have had a difficulty finding workers because, you know, in, in the U.S., it's, you know, people have a lot of different choices. Um, but overseas, I haven't seen that quite as much when I've been over in Europe on cruises. Um, my sister is on a Celebrity Beyond right now. And for the fir- the ship is running at full capacity. And my understanding is Celebrity brought more people to that ship from ships that weren't as full to help out. So that is one thing the cruise lines can do is that they can move people between ships in areas like the Mediterranean. So I I talked to her today, uh, the first time I was was able to talk to her since she started the trip, and she says everything's running fine. So it it depends. You know, the cruise lines are adapting just like everybody else is in travel. You know, it's it's definitely an interesting summer in in 2022 for travel. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the big issues for the cruise lines have has been Russia, sadly. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you river cruises, one of the most popular river cruises for the summer months was one that hit St. Petersburg. Obviously, no boats are going there right now. Um, are we seeing other changes in the way ships are creating itineraries? Are we seeing uh, areas that have gotten more popular and areas that used to be very popular uh, getting fewer ships going to them? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, you know, it also affected a lot of ocean ships beside river because um, usually St. Petersburg was the jewel of that Baltic itinerary. And so those routes have been reworked to go to some of the smaller Baltic company countries that have some of their own cool history. You know, ones that maybe don't people don't always think of, you know, like Latvia and Lithuania. You know, Estonia has mm. always been a good port, but people maybe haven't thought that there's really cool things to see in those smaller Baltic countries. Plus, those itineraries are adding more time in Denmark, Sweden and Finland, which are great. You know, usually you only hit the capital there, but that now you're sure. able to see a little bit more of the country, which I actually think is super appealing. I'm kind of yeah. I'm scheduled to go on that route because I'm really excited about what the rest of the Baltic looks like beyond St. Petersburg. Um, but one really interesting trend, I think, is that there's been this boom in expedition cruising. And so there's mm. more choices than ever if you've really wanted to do that bucket list trip like Antarctica or the Galapagos. You know, um, all, a lot of lines have built new ships. Um, new people have gone into the market. Uh, Viking 
cruises, right. which has always been great for um, exp- you know, for ocean ships and river ships. They now have expedition ships in Antarctica. And I, uh, I actually toured one in New York Harbor. I, I toured the one that's going to the Great Lakes, surprisingly enough. Uh, and it was it was very sleek, very pretty, had some nice amenities that you never would have seen on an old expedition ship, like a full spa. Exactly. And, you know, the Great Lakes, you bring up another great place where people are really, you know, there's 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 a couple companies that have invested now in Great Lakes cruising. And we're seeing some reports back from those cruises. And people are, you know, they're having a great time and they're really rediscovering a part of the country that they've never thought of before. Um, right. Really looking at the Great Lakes from an expedition standpoint or even not an expedition like their um, American Queen Voyages has a ship there that goes really to like Chicago and Milwaukee and Detroit and Cleveland and Niagara Falls, these kind of places that people might not have thought about before, but because they maybe don't want to fly with the airline Uh issues and they want to stay a little closer to home still, they're still a little tentative about that big international trip. The Great Lakes is a fantastic alternative. Hmm. Now, are a lot of ships now going between Asian ports, partially because they're they're seeking Asian passengers. Is that still a trend? You know, the Asian cruise market has definitely cooled, um, primarily because yeah. a lot of those uh, ships were based at, for the Chinese market. That was one that people were oh. very excited about. China, yeah. as you know, is, is still closed. Uh, yeah. We're seeing things begin to open there. Uh, Royal Caribbean had kept one of its one of its larger ships in Singapore and had been doing cruises from Singapore. And just recently, I think it was really just last week, they had their first cruise to another country, which was Malaysia. So they are starting to have that process. I don't think anybody really knows when it's going to go back to those Asian itineraries that people loved. Uh, probably, it probably won't be until next year. Interesting. Well, we started the discussion talking about the fact that so many new ships have come online. So there's more berths out there that are available for passengers. Last week, my colleague Jason Cochran discussed his recent cruise on the newly launched I think it's called the Disney Wish. Is that right? Yeah, the Disney Wish, the first ship from Disney in a decade. And we had somebody on board as well, and he just loved it. He said that, you know, Disney really took what they were really good at already and just up the ante in every single way. So, yeah, that's a, that's a very exciting ship. Uh, we That's interesting. Jason was mixed about it. He, oh, really? He thought a lot of it was great. He thought of a lot of it was a retread from what they had done before. And he was very disappointed in, in the Star Wars-themed areas. He thought those were underwhelming. Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I think that what our what was really singled out for um, our writer was sort of the immersion into Disney at sea, yeah. which they continue to do well, and which sure. remains a great uh, alternative, you know, for people that are going out there that lo- like love Disney and love that, yeah. and also sort of taking a look at what's there for adults. So, you know, Disney's always done a good job of also attracting adults. And uh, and and also the family cabins, which Disney has cabins that are you know pretty unique to them, which are split you know the split bathrooms um, where huh. you know it's really set up for a family, and they had some really interesting mm. new suites too. So I think that's how he was looking at it, but it's really interesting to hear Jason's point too. Yeah, well, you know, he's always a bit of a curmudgeon, <laughs> uh, but in terms of um, other ships, you know, pre-pandemic there would be these big announcements when massive new cruise ships were debuting and they always had some kind of new bell or whistle. Like one ship I remember had 
I think it was like an elevator on the outside of the ship that turned into like a dance floor. And uh, others had new types of uh, roller coasters on the decks. What should we expect from ships that are, are coming online in the coming year? Well, the next new one to, to really kind of that's going to make a splash is a Norwegian Prima that is coming out next month. And it's going to have a drop slide over the side of the ship. So that when you're going down the slide, it's like you're going over the ship, which is definitely, I wow. got to tell you, I'm probably not going to do that because that sounds, <laughs> that sounds terrifying to me. I really don't yeah. want to think about that. But anybody who loves that shot of adrenaline is definitely going to want to check that out. Um, and that ship already has a, a go-kart, you know, that, that Norwegian has already had go-karts on their ships. Um, this one will have an even bigger track with a, with, um, sort of the, the track goes around the funnel and, and, and back. And so it's really going to be good for families and for people that like that type of thrill seeking at sea. Uh, so that's right. one that we're really excited to see that's, that's debuting in August. That'll be interesting. Well, it's always such a delight to speak with you, Chris. And obviously, you're a true expert, as are all the folks at Cruise Critic. If you if you want to go on a cruise, that's a great place to go for really impartial, in depth information. Thank you so much for appearing on the Frommer Travel Show. Thanks for having me, Pauline. I appreciate it. And that's it for this week's show. I thank you all for listening. And as I always say, if you're traveling, may I wish you a hearty bon voyage. I'll see you next week. Change.